0: Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse, and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing great as 2023 is fully underway. There's a lot going on in U.S. politics. Most of it just MAGA fascist chaos, but not exclusively. Uh, But I don't really want to talk about that today. Those things are mostly performative. And when the substance comes and we start talking about the debt ceiling and government shutdowns and perhaps some bills that have a chance of passing. You know, I'll talk about the substance then, but I'm not really interested in the fascist clown show. What I am interested is in the war in Ukraine. We are coming up, you know, a little over a month or so until the one year anniversary of Russia's invasion. And I think it's important to talk about this with the leadership in the Congress being partially controlled by the MAGA fascists in the House of Representatives. So I want to kind of just do a little kind of going back here in time for a minute just to set the context here. And remember that before the invasion, people, a lot of people were very skeptical. Like, why would Russia do this? They're kind of bluffing, they're trying to get some concessions, you know, they're trying to just kind of scare Europe Europe, and kind of push the envelope. And Biden kept warning people, right And then Putin was saying, oh, you know there's no way we're gonna do that. And you know, Putin tried to lie, right? He tried to you know because his cover had been blown. Obviously they wanted the element of surprise. but Biden had the intelligence right. He warned the world. he was very clear that Russia was about to attack and Russia did. And this was a big win for our intelligence agencies, our spy agencies, especially after the debacle of the Iraq War, where they got basically everything wrong. So, again, not to draw too strong uh, conclusions, but again, under a Republican, Bush 2, intelligence agencies completely garbage, uh, intelligence misused and abused for the purposes of an unjust war, under a Democrat, Biden intelligence services incredibly on point got everything almost exactly right exposed putin and then biden helped to quickly rally the west to ukraine's defense now of course ukraine's courage and bravery is all about ukraine you know we are definitely doing a ton to support them but without you know them at the front of this you know they would have collapsed quickly if they weren't So, you know, committed to protecting their sovereignty, and obviously, Zelensky's courage is really kind of the the tip of the spear here, right? His kind of I don't need a ride, I need ammo is going to go down in history as one of the most kind of badass things a president has ever said, and it really set the tone like, hey, we want to fight, we're not trying to run. And this is pretty, you know, incredible stuff. And by the way, this is why the right wing hates uh, Zelensky, because he's a true hero. The right wing are cowards and frauds, so they hate real heroes, because it's the opposite of, you know, what they want to to claim their enemies are, right? They want to claim that liberal democracies are weak and woke, and it's strong, tough guys like Putin, Right? And of course, that's completely backwards. Putin has been shown to be the paper tiger of a weak, corrupt, decrepit military. And Ukraine, which has plenty of women and gay people in it and is not afraid to be a multicultural army with gender equality, is the stronger of the two. So again, it goes to show that the entire worldview of the right wing is all a lie and all a fraud. And that's why. They hate people like uh, Zelensky. Now, taking another step back here, there is a long philosophical tradition of just war theory. There's some incredible books written on this. I read a lot of them when I was taking some foreign policy classes in college. And the just war theories are both about what is just in terms of initiating a war, and then what is just when you're in war and actually prosecuting a war. And it's this wild stuff, right? Because you're talking ultimately about killing people, and what's the justice in killing people? But there's, you know, a lot of it, as you might imagine, comes down to issues of self-defense, and you know how you treat prisoners, how you treat civilians, right? So, you know, if you think, you know, a little deeply, as horrible as war is, there are clearly some things that are right and wrong, both in the the initiation of war and the conduct of war, and on on every dimension. Every single dimension, Ukraine's defense and their fighting against the Russians meets the definition of just war, right? They are acting against a naked, aggressive move by a foreign power that had no right whatsoever to violate their sovereignty. Putin is pursuing a genocidal imperial project. Putin is on the same moral plane as Hitler, full stop. Is he killing as many people? No, but he wants to. He is on a genocidal project, right? If he had a strong military and if Ukraine wasn't backed by the West, he would wipe them off the map to the extent that it was necessary to conquer that territory. The Putin regime is a straight up white nationalist fascist authoritarian regime while Ukraine's is liberal and democratic. Ukrainians are not purposely targeting Russian civilians. Well, Russians are. They're torturing people, raping people, killing civilians, going after civilian infrastructure so that people can freeze in the middle of winter, right? Russia is routinely committing war crimes. And for the most part, Ukraine is not. And I want to make a caveat here. I have read about small number... Of Ukrainian soldiers committing war crimes against Russian soldiers. This is wrong, it should be condemned, but it's impossible for any country that is being attacked mercilessly for everyone to just take the high road. And again, I'm not excusing the conduct, but the point being is, by and large, Ukraine is following just war theory, both in terms of its defense and its conduct, while Russia is in the opposite across the board. So even if there are a small number of war crimes committed by individual soldiers or units within the Ukrainian army, there is no, there is no you know, equivalency, right? Russia is the fascist imperial evil regime. Ukraine is a liberal democratic regime acting in self-defense through a righteous cause. This war is as close to black and white, good versus evil as they come. Again, you're never going to get 100% purity. But this is about as close as it comes to good versus e- evil. And that's why I want to argue that everyone should be solidly on Ukraine's side with no hesitation. Now, again, contrast this with the U.S. invasion of Iraq, which is, you know, occurred almost 20 years ago. And, I, and this, you know, perfectly meets the definition of an unjust war, the Iraq Invasion. Now, again, I'm not equating the sides here, but the actions and justification, right? We, are not, we were not equivalent to Putin, and Saddam Hussein was not equivalent to, you know, Ukraine. But in terms of unjust prosecution, right, the Iraq War meets that definition. It was an unjust war. I will talk more about the Iraq War and the failed global war on terror in, you know, in the area around the 20th anniversary in March, The main reason I want to do this episode now on fully supporting Ukraine is because there are going to be increasingly calls to limit our aid to Ukraine, especially now that the MAGA fascists control the House of Representatives. A new poll came out, a YouGov poll, that right now, more than 50% of registered Republicans support limiting or cutting off Ukrainian aid, right? Again. This is because MAGA fascists love Putin and his fake Christianity, his white supremacy, and his fake macho nonsense. It's what they engage in, right? They hate liberal democracy with its pluralism, its equality for women, for people of color, right? And for a recognition of our faults, they want to live in their fantasy world of Christian white male patriarchy and false machismo, right? Now, also, even some liberals may question the justification of continuing aid to Ukraine. I have some friends and colleagues who I've gotten into arguments with who are, you know, talking about we can't give a blank check and we got to, you know, Russia's still, you know, a really strong power and we got to be careful. Fuck that, okay? I want to emphatically push back against that and state unequivocally, that Ukraine should be fully supported and get as close to a blank check as possible because they deserve it. And we should think of this as not just aid, not just us coming to Ukraine's rescue, but as an investment. And on that score, as Ukraine aid as an investment, it's probably the best investment the U.S. government will ever make in our lifetimes. Okay, So on the score of U.S. support for Ukraine, it is the best return on investment imaginable. And after the break, I'm going to come back and explain why. It's time I settle the score. Okay, so I'd like to discuss now the reasons why our support for Ukraine is such an incredible investment that directly serves U.S. interests. The first is, Ukraine is destroying Russia's military capacity very cheaply, right? The amount of money we're paying to Ukraine and the weapons we're giving them, many of them are weapons we would never use, are being used to destroy the military of one of our principal adversaries. Now, I don't want to make the claim that Russia, you know, was about to go on some massive, you know, invasion or anything, some Red Dawn kind of U.S. attack, but the reality is Putin is a fascist. He's been weighing an information campaign against America since, you know, 2016, helping Trump in both 2016 and 2020. He is one of the kind of de facto leaders of the global fascist movement. He's what a lot of the fascists around the world look to because, again, of his fake machismo and his kind of Christian white nationalism and that he hates gay people a lot. Um, so destroying their military is great. Remember Russia used its military to help the Assad regime in Syria and massacre hundreds of thousands of civilians. Uh, The Russians are close with the Iranians, another one of our adversaries. The Russians love using their oil wealth and their power of oil markets to keep the West kind of in check and, you know, hurt the West, especially when Democrats are in charge of the U.S. by raising oil prices So anything that severely weakens Russia is great for the U.S. And we're doing it cheap because, again, Ukraine is doing the fighting for us. And that means we're not putting any of our men and women in harm's way. It's all just money and weapons. right? And again, right now, it's a couple hundred billion dollars. right? We're destroying the military of one of our principal adversaries with no casualties on the U.S. side for a couple hundred billion dollars. Contrast that to $8 trillion wasted on the Iraq and Afghanistan wars with nothing to show for it. We left the East in chaos. We killed hundreds of thousands of people. We lost thousands of our own people and then tens of thousands severely injured. We lost our standing in the world for $8 trillion. So for a tiny fraction of that, we're having no U.S. casualties and we're destroying the military of one of the leaders of global fascism. Great deal right? Afterward, we're going to see a much stronger and unified Europe in the aftermath once Russia is defeated and we rebuild Ukraine right on their border as a kind of shining light of a liberal democracy, right? That's going to be awesome, right? And also going back to the kind of global fascist part, you know, see what just happened in Brazil, right? The fascist movement is global. And of course, the maggots, Steve Bannon and Stephen Miller these despicable, deplorable, you know, pawn scum, and again, that's that's an insult to pawn scum, uh, who helped Bolsonaro's kind of coup attempt in Brazil, right? They're all part of this cabal, and they're down with Russia. So again, anything that once Russia is is defeat defeated, you know, in a in a clean way, and Ukraine is victorious, is going to be a huge blow to the right wing across the world since Putin is their hero. Another big benefit, this is definitely making China think twice about invading Taiwan, right? They're seeing how badly this is going for Russia. They're seeing how unified the world is and they're going, hmm, do we want to invade Taiwan? I'm not saying they're never going to do it. I'm not saying that, you know, this is a death blow to that, but I I bet you it's making Beijing a lot more hesitant. There is no question about that. Right. Also, I want to make a point here that is often unacknowledged on the left. The U.S. has been subsidizing Europe's defense for a long time. By the way, this is one thing that Trump was right about and which liberals have been loath to recognize. So, again, because I'm in the reality based community, even though Trump is one of the worst human beings to ever walk on the planet and he should be jailed, if not executed for his treasonous crimes. I can still admit when he was right about something, because I can deal with facts and reality. I'm not an identitarian. I don't just go with whatever my side says is right and whatever the other side says is wrong. Trump was right about this, right? Europe has been free riding on U- in U.S. military power for a long time, right? And Europe doesn't have the military capacity to support Ukraine at the level that it needs, but the U.S. does, right? and as bloated as the US military is at least now it's good some of it's being put to good use now europe is starting to increase its thinking about military spending and will likely increase its military budget um, you know at, in the in the subsequent years that will decrease some of the pressure for the US right if at the aftermath of this the US you know, doesn't have to support Europe as much anymore because Europe realizes it needs a strong national defense. That's a good thing from a US standpoint. It could end up saving the US more money than we actually are spending on Ukraine. You know, we'll have to see how that plays out, but that's not inconceivable. Now, of course, this will put a little strain on Europe. One of the reasons Europe has such generous social welfare policy is because they spend a lot less on the military. One of the reasons the U.S. doesn't have as generous a social welfare policy is because we spend so much excessively on the military. So I just want to say this, there should be a rebalancing, you know, in the wake of this Ukrainian uh, conflict. And I think, again, it's possible to afford both a strong military and strong safety net, but both the U.S. and Europe are going to have to get that balance right? Right. And that's going to be, you know, I think that's a good thing for the world. We can have it all. We can, again, have a strong military and strong social safety nets if we have better politicians and we demand it and we tell them cut the wasteful spending, cut part of the spending that subsidizes Europe and let them increase their spending. And let's put more into child care and health care and paid family leave, etc. Right. So, again, Huge returns on investment to support Ukraine, putting aside the moral duty we have to support a liberal democracy against a fascist thug. So big props to Biden for his leadership and for the Democrats staying united and pushing back on those in their own ranks who have kind of gone soft a little on Ukraine and pushing back. And so far, that kind of progressive wing that it was getting soft on Ukraine is in check. So it's going to be very interesting how to see how all this plays out, you know, when new aid bills are debated in the coming months and years. And I'm looking forward to seeing a, a robust debate, but I want to be clear that we should be supporting Ukraine. And again, it's we can have it all. We can have strong military and strong social safety nets in the West. We are prosperous rich, rich countries. We just have to do the rebalancing. And I think Ukrainian conflict Will pay a role in that, although again the main benefit is unifying Europe and destroying Russia's military. So I'll come back with the antidote right after the break. Well, here's to the hearts that you gonna break, here's to the lives that you are gonna change, here's to the infinite possible ways to love you. I want you to Okay, so for the antidote, I want to just first state that it's possible to be a pacifist and a liberal and strongly opposed to the military-industrial complex, all of which I am, and still recognize the unique situation Ukraine is in and fully support them. That's what I recommend. See this issue clearly and let people know that we should support Ukraine fully until Russia is defeated and Ukraine is rebuilt Better than ever. It is the right thing to do, and it's a great use of our tax dollars. So, as people get wobbly, not only the people on the right who are fans of Putin, but even good, mind, you know, good intention, good-minded liberals who start, you know, because of their distrust of the military, start getting wobbly. Let them know. Let them know we need to stand with Ukraine. Do not get wobbly. And when the time comes, I will point it out. We'll need to call our representatives and our senators and tell them, support robust, strong aid to Ukraine and don't waver. So with that, everybody, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. And if you are, please share it with family, friends and colleagues. Rate it. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify and Stitcher. And with that, everybody, have a great rest of the week. Be safe. Take care.